So, Brandon and I've obviously been pretty passionate about the Republic, and you know, I, I I do believe that the Republic is still operating in some sense, but there's obviously a whole nother empire that has kind of taken over. And I'm really curious as to your thoughts on, I guess, moving forward with um, maybe not combating the empire, but putting forth the Republic in a stronger way than it is now and people just operating kind of behind the scenes in the Republic. Um, I guess, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on that subject. Well, I mean, we can, I, I think to me, it's clear that the corporation is in its death throes. That's what's clear to me. Um, that's why they've been pushing these agendas so vehemently for the last year. Like, I, can you believe it's only been a year <laughs> that, the, that this madness began and they started pushing for what usually the establishment would push over 10 years they're trying to make happen in a year. Um, and I mean, you've seen it with, you know, the 40 executive orders in a week that came out of Biden. Um, it's clear that there is a level of desperation within the corporation and its handlers and interest holders um, that is unprecedented. Like they're making moves because in, in the level of desperation that they're making the, mo the moves in tells me one thing. They think they're going to lose it. They're in fear. They're in panic mode at this point. Um, now, again, many of you have been, you know, been in this for a long time, right? You know, a lot of people are ju just woke up when Trump got in, but pretty much, I think I can say everyone on this call woke up long before that, right? Um, so y'all already knew what some people have just learned in the last month. <laughs> you know, like, like people are like, the United States is a corporation? You know, and they're just coming across this information. Um, and to me, having been, you know, really moving and, and interested in restoring the Republic for 20 years now, it's to me, it's never, it's never felt more real and tangible than at this moment. Um, I remember back in, it was like 2012 or so, uh, maybe, maybe 2011, when uh, there, were, there were moves being made within the military and it looked like they were going to take out Obama um, for basically for treason and things like that. And so there, I had a lot of excitement then too um, because I was like, oh, it's going to happen. You know, the military is going to step up. They're going to, you know, restore the Republic and it's going to be awesome. And, uh, and then you saw Obama wipe out the military, <laughs> you know, where he just, just took out, um, high ranking military officials throughout all the branches of the military. And that was kind of like a blow to 
to the movement, you know, to the restoration of the Republic, because, you know, up until that point, and you guys know from what I taught that like, I'm like, look, we can't fight the machine. All we can do is build something parallel to the machine. And the more people we bring over into that parallel world, it'll suffocate the machine. The machine will eventually die. Well, it's clear to me now that they won't let that, if that were our only course of action, they wouldn't let that happen. I mean, if you, uh, the writing's on the wall, they're pushing for tyranny so hard and so fast that it's clear that they would not allow the parallel world to exist within their, anywhere near their corporate machine. Um, and, but again, it shows the level of desperation. <clears throat> and I say this because when I began in my journey of restoring the Republic 20 years ago, there were a couple thousand people that I knew of, maybe around the world, that were conscious and aware enough to see the distinctions between the two worlds and the possibility of restoring the Republic. And now, and in and, and, and re, and reality, and most everyone else, not only asleep to it, but not interested. Even if you completely broke it down to them and they believed you, they were complacent in the world of the machines. Now, there are over 100 million people in this country alone that have woken up and do not are clear and intentional. They do not want to live in the world of the machines, but they don't know what the hell's going on. And this is what gives me so much hope in that you have 100 million people that are awake and they're like, okay, yeah, this is messed up. We can't go down this road. Something needs to change. <clears throat> and there's never been those kinds of numbers. Now, I wouldn't say they're necessarily awake enough to re realize, you know, the, even the distinction between the world of the machines and the world of the living or the corporation versus the Republic. They may not know about that yet, but they're looking for it. They want to know it. They're open to it. And when you have a hundred million people fully conscious and aware of the distinction between the Republic and the machine, that is a vast force. This isn't, e even if they, you know, created concentration camps tomorrow and started putting us to death. It would take them a long time to really put a dent in that kind of populist movement at this point. So for me, that's, that's, that is a great sign that there are a hundred million people at least out there that they want the restoration of the Republic. They just might not know it yet. Um, and what I see transpiring, okay, so let me take, I'm just going to take you through uh, my perceptions based on circumstances and conditions. So if we look at like the inauguration, they had set up uh, what are called, you, you guys are familiar with Patriot missiles. Remember the war in Iraq when we were shooting down all the scuds? 
Well, Patriot missiles are air-to-air missiles, therefore taking out foreign ballistic missiles, or I should say enemy ballistic missiles. And they were setting up Patriot batteries in, in, in states all along the eastern seaboard. Now, what's that tell me? That tells me that there is a, a conflict at some level occurring. And the military is the only one who can put up these Patriot missile batteries. So that tells me the military is conscious and aware of a conflict many of us may not be conscious and aware of. Okay. Not only that, they had these planes, they have these special uh, planes that they fly that are for detecting nuclear material, right? They fly and they've, they've been flying these planes all over the country. I mean, they, they were doing it heavy on the Eastern seaboard leading up to the inauguration and they're still flying these planes around major cities and things in the country. Now, here's my assessment of what these little pieces of information mean, and not to mention the fact that it doesn't seem that Biden has any control over the military or even seems to be operating out of the White House. Doesn't look like they're doing press conferences out of the White House. Everything's a facade at this point. So what that tells me is, the the evidence to me, my assessment of all this, all these seemingly disparate facts is that the war has already begun between the corporation and the republic. And what it seems to me is that we're probably being held hostage by the cabal because that's really the enemy, right? The banking cabal runs the corporation. And it seems to me that we are most likely being held hostage, meaning that they've planted either nuclear devices or high-end explosives in major cities across America. And that the threat is that if things get escalated to a point, then these devices will be ignited or, or, or activated, whatever. So to me, that's again, promising because I mean, I mean, it would really suck to see, you know, Chicago go up in flames or New York go up in flames or Los Angeles go up in flames. However, what that tells me is that, that we're, again, we're at a precipice, you know, and I spoke about last week, you know, entering the dark night of the soul. And the week before that I spoke into well, actually two weeks before that, because we actually <laughs> didn't get a recording of one of our weeks. Um, but two weeks before that, we talked about the, you know, the distinction of the, of the world of the living and the world of the machines and, and how this is becoming a clearer and clearer divide and how people are waking up to the reality of, the, of these two distinctly different worlds <clears throat> in mass. People are waking up in mass. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation out there. In fact, um, I was speaking on another show um, a couple days ago, and somebody said, oh, my God, it sounds just like this video. And I go, oh, really? Who, you know, who did it? And they told me the name didn't sound familiar. I go, oh, send me the video. I'll check it out. <clears throat> and the guy 
hits on points, you know, important points that you guys would know, you know, uh, from, you know, the, of course, the central banking system to the postal system to the distinctions of the corporation and the republic. And he hits on these points, but the thing is just infused with misinformation that you can't really get a clear picture of how the world works and what we can do in order to restore the republic because it's so obfuscated with just false information. Now, I don't, <clears throat> I don't necessarily believe that this particular individual is, a, is, is spreading disinformation. I don't believe it's intentional. I just believe that wherever he's gotten his information or however he's pieced it together, there's a lot of crap in there that doesn't really draw any clear distinctions of what's occurring right now. So for me, having a fair amount of clarity with, you know, the decades that I've put into understanding our system and our history, I can make some pretty clear deductions because I have a clearer view than a lot of these people running around like, with, like chickens with their heads cut off right now who, who, who don't necessarily have a firm grasp on how things work, what our true history is, um, and, the, and, the, and the distinctions of the worlds, plural, that we live in. So for me, I, I have a tremendous amount of hope. I see us on this precipice. We're entering this dark night of the soul as a society. And I see us emerging with a republic and with a sustainable system and something that will no longer enslave humanity. And I don't see this as exclusive to the United States. And that's why you have so many people around the world focused on what is happening here. Because so many people around the world realize that this is global. <clears throat> it's not enough to just take away the cabal's power over the corporation of the United States of America. You must take the cabal down. And if you take it down, that frees all nations. And it also cuts off the lifeline to all the lords of the machine. And so these lords of the machine, and if you notice, the lords of the machine are, are jumping ship all over the world. What was it? Within a two-week period, we had you know, six governments, complete overhauls of governments around the world, entire, entire uh, branches of government stepping down. Um, there's a reason. You know, the, the writing is on the wall and not everyone's convinced the cabal is going to win this. So the lords of the machine, those who don't have much fortitude or who don't have much, too much stake in the game, they're jumping ship. Now, the people who have too much at stake, they can't jump ship, right? We talk about like the Clintons and things like that. There's too much at stake. You know, they're either looking at execution or life imprisonment. And so there's too much at stake for them to jump ship. 
but some of these smaller governments where they're like, you know, there's some corruption, right? And, and they may do some jail time for what they've done. They're jumping ship because they haven't committed crimes against humanity. They haven't done anything that even if they get caught is going to be too detrimental to them. They're the first ones to jump ship. But the ones completely committed are the ones with too much stake in the game. And so I see that's what's occurring now. <clears throat> when you saw, you know, the entire Russian government step down except Putin. And we've all known, or at least I've known, and I've shared with the classes that I've taught, Putin has been in this restoration of the republic and the taking down of the cabal movement since the beginning. He's our longest standing ally in all of this. Minus some of the military officials who are still around and made it through the, the Obama purge. So that is extremely hope. It, it, it inspires an extreme amount of hope within me because it shows that their entire facade, this veneer that has hidden the world of the machines is falling apart. It's completely evaporating. It's becoming crystal clear, even to those who are ideologically possessed, that shit ain't right. Something's up. Something's wrong. And so for our part in all of this, I spoke about this in the, in the talk we did about three weeks ago in Smoke and Mirrors, <clears throat> our part in all this is to make sure that we reestablish our republic with additional checks and balances that would not allow this to ever occur again. And that's a power that resides within us as the people. And when 100 million people wake up and when 100 million people realize what's going on and how things work, you know how easy it would be for us to implement those checks and balances within the Republic? You know how easy it would be to completely undo the corrupt voting systems we have and reestablish a sustainable system of voting that operates with integrity? Imagine that. This is all what's possible right now. We're on the verge of this. And, and that's why I felt, you know, so compelled to start educating again, because there are a hundred million people out there who don't know what the hell's going on. And you all do, you know, what's going on. And that's why I said, you know, we need to be the ones that speak up. We need to be the ones who are, who, show up for people in such a way that they come to us for the information and we can pull back the curtain and show them like, look, it's not complicated. It's not complicated. And it's actually very easy to understand. And it's very easy for us to step into responsibility and thereby power the power that was originally protected for us by us 
with our Constitution. I don't know if I adequately addressed what you asked. Absolutely. I mean, that is freaking awesome. And I mean, that just, that really fills my heart because that that is a passion of mine. And, you know, I, I think that speaking into putting in more checks and balances, I think that it would be great to have a, a really good think tank put together to, to work on that so that we could actually have something in place ready to go so that it could be implemented. Um, it, it seems to me like we would probably start at the original 13th Amendment and then move on from there, but that is probably a, a deeper conversation to get into with a, with a group that is really passionate about that. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, we have to think about how much our society has grown since the original 13th Amendment, which was what, like 1809, <laughs> 1817, or what, whenever it was ratified. Um, it's, there's a lot to put in place, right, in order to seamlessly move into the republic. Um, because if, if tomorrow the corporation dies and with it all the U.S. statutes, are we really set up to operate, you know, effectively as a nation? Um, and then putting into place, a, the, like, we, like you just said, the additional checks and balances so that corruption can never live in our government again, that there can never be a deep state that controls the apparatus of government and pulls the levers. So what are your thoughts about the state assemblies that have been gathering and, and creating their own Republican form of government? <clears throat> I think, I think they're, I think they're uh, missing the mark. <laughs> their focus is on balancing budgets, um, which is, I mean, not a bad thing, but Jesus Christ, look around people like balanced budget is the, is, should be the last thing on the list. But here's the thing, they've mobilized. So they've already started to put together these, really, they're calling them conventions of the state, but this is a constitutional convention in the works. And if we, if we again, get out there, we inform enough people, we educate enough people, and enough people become aware of how, of not only what's going on, but how things work, so that we can get people into all these uh, conventions and that we can bring to the foreground the, the restoration of the Republic, the original 13th Amendment, putting in place what the Republic would need in order to have it so that what's good that we've built in the last 240 years can be maintained and what's not can be done away with. And whatever additional checks and balances that would come out of these state conventions. You know, because that's the power. People don't realize that if you have a constitutional convention, it is unlimited, unchecked power of the people. We could do anything. We could rewrite the constitution. We can get rid of amendments. We can add amendments. We can 
change the bureaucratic structures. Like there is no limit, no body. And, and I mean, no body of government, no, no branch of government, no government officials have any power over the constitutional convention. They have zero authority and power over it. And that's why it was left so open. Like read article five. It's pretty damn vague. It's like, basically I, if y'all get together, this can all change, you know? Um, and that's where we're at. You know, we, and, and it will need to happen. Now it needs to happen in concert with the military, you know? And so hopefully that there, there's enough guys in the military that are going to make this, you know, take down of the, at least the corporation and the federal reserve possible, but then it's going to leave a vacuum and the people at that point need to know what's going on. They need to know how the system works and we need to jump in so that this, the convention process doesn't get derailed because I don't know if you guys remember back when they did the, uh, the, the Republic, you guys remember the, what do they call it? The Republic of the United States, right? The Republic for the United States of America. It was a, it was a, a nationwide kind of movement to restore the Republic that was actually being organized in all the states. I don't know if you guys remember that. They actually named me the Attorney General. You guys remember that? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I, and I think that, that kind of got, like you said, it got kind of misdirected. And, yeah, well, it got totally derailed. And it was yeah. because it was it had infiltrators from the beginning. It got completely derailed right off the bat. Like I stepped down after about, I don't know, a, a, a month in office. <laughs> I was the attorney general of the Republic of the United States for about a month. And I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Like it was clear to me that it had been completely derailed, that it had been completely infiltrated and that it was going to be a war within a war. And I was like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't how I would approach things. I know? still know a guy that's in prison for that under some alias name. Oh, really? Yeah. Who? I uh, remember that Bruce guy with that magnetic motor. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. Uh, yeah, I probably would. I, the, the name isn't conjuring up anything for me right uh, now. I don't think you ever met him. He was in Denver. And uh, when I was coming down to visit you all the time, I was uh -huh. working with him. I went into his shop and was talking with him about his magnet motor. And he was showing me videos of it and showing me all the pieces that he had fabricated. And then he's like, just disappeared. And all on Facebook, people were running campaigns of like, pull him out of prison. His name is John Smith or some, something super generic like that. But I haven't heard anything about him getting out. You know, his wife took over his Facebook profile and was just, he was in there for being uh, some officer of the Republic. And he was telling me that they had set up offices in, I want to say like 35 to 40 states. And he was working on the last one, last ones. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't six months after that. I started seeing messages on Facebook about him being incarcerated. Yeah. Yeah, they started taking out all the heads. Like, I mean, months after I got out of it, I got out of it right at the beginning because I saw that it, was, it wasn't going to go anywhere. 
I'm like, dude, you guys have been infiltrated. Like this, this is, there are people who are here that are going to intentionally create conflict. This isn't going anywhere. And they, they took out like, at least that I know of three or four of the cabinet. Brandon. Yeah. You, um, you have the pleasure of having a long term base knowledge of studying and time to dissect the system and, and get a good foundational understanding of what's at play. And what I've seen throughout the years is just like you said earlier, you were listening to a video of a guy that, you know, had a lot of hard hitting facts, but it was peppered with, you know, disinformation that he, he himself might've been believing it to be truth, but because you have such a foundation, you're able to dissect it. And what I see more often than not, uh, just, just two quick things is like, take the masks, for instance, I'm I'm so over analytical that I understand that since it's a federally governed type of pandemic, that the store that you're in is jurisdictionally controlled by the state that it's in, which is jurisdictionally controlled by the you know the government, and they're all kind of forced all the way down to uh, do the CDC guidelines, and. So well, when I see actually, people- actually they're not forced. And this is why, again, this is why we even have to educate our own legislature legislators. Here's the thing you said, you said it yourself invoking the Republic. Yes. In reality, the city you live in can vote to ignore all of the guidelines and to ignore all of a, gover- a governor's edicts. Your sheriff has more authority. Your county sheriff has more authority than your governor. And That's- your state legislature has and- more power than the United States Congress. You know, when they put out these, um, um, like these and gun And we're control- actually finding that he is... Um- hey, Ginger, can you uh- make He's kinda, Ginger, you're Ginger, you're unmuted. <laughs> he's losing control, and because we have this one attorney that's really going after him like a like a pit bull, and um, and then we're all you know we've kind of created a group. A lot of the restaurant tours and in the state all just kind of got together. It's like all us little guys just came up and and rose up, and we're like we're not taking it anymore. And I, I see it really as being really cool, but it's like you said, um, people don't know the laws and they just kind of go along, like they go along with whatever the governor says. And I'm like, well, well, wait a minute. Governors can't make laws. Yeah. That's not how it works. No, she was, uh, Ginger, you got muted. (laughs) Uh, So So, I appreciate what you're saying, you know, uh, about being able to invoke the, you know, uh, and overthrow certain certain guidelines. But on an individual level, the people that want to protest, the the store owners might not know this knowledge. They might not know that, you know, they're able to go against the grain. 
So in their mind, they're, they're thinking, if I see you in my store without a mask on, I'm going to get shut down. So I'm going to enforce this rule. Um, and, and then another, another thing I wanted to say was when I see people getting just a little bit of knowledge, they go running. They go running full speed, not knowing. Like, I have a right to travel. Oh, I'm going to hop in the vehicle and I'm just going to haul butt, you know, not knowing that your vehicle is registered to the state. You know, you're, 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 you're going to flash your driver's license when you get pulled over. You know, they have no clue. Anyway, I just wanted to uh, touch on this. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, that's, I think you're speaking into uh, what I feel is an important point because it is that that invoking of the Republic. In fact, um, it, I believe it's in Arkansas, the state legislature is passing laws that will nullify all the federal uh, gun regulations. And so all these gun regulations that the federal government puts out will be completely ignored in Arkansas. And they have that right. Because the federal statutes only apply in Washington, DC, Guam, (laughs) American Virgin islands and Puerto Rico. And I can't hear anybody. You Can you hear us now? Now, yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Can you say that last part again, Brandon? Puerto Rico, Guam? Oh, I said uh, federal statutes only apply in Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, Guam, and American Virgin Islands. That's the only place they automatically have any power. Now, if your state legislators just lay down and let every federal statute be applied at the state level, well, then they apply there too. But like I said, in Arkansas, they're nullifying all federal gun laws (laughs) because they have that power. That's invoking the republic. It's the same thing that allowed Colorado to legalize marijuana before everybody. Well, it's still federally illegal. Yep. And to that fact, that's why when Colorado legalized weed, there were certain counties within Colorado that still made it illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're again, your county. That's the republic. The count, the the people are at the top of the pyramid, then the county, then the state, then the federal government at the very bottom. That's how the republic operates. I think it's it's worth explaining um, just just to have everybody on the same page of, of this understanding because here uh, maybe I'll try it. and then Brandon you can correct whatever I messed up because I'm sure there's going to be something especially in these oversimplified terms um, the way that I see it is the people came together and created counties those counties came together and created the state. The states came together and created a union, and then the union created a corporation, which everybody then signed up for and is subject to. Right, and then that corporation, and now if you finish that that train of thought, then that corporation created subcorporations, 
we'll call them political subdivisions like the state of California and the state of New York. And then those subcorporations created more subcorporations like the county of Los Angeles. And then those subcorporations created subcorporations like the city of Redondo Beach. You see? So it's, it's, it, it completely inverted everything. That's so brilliant. we literally have a mirror reflection of how things were created and the progression of really where the power lies. And it's completely inverted on what we're calling the public side because where the public side starts is at the corporate level, which then created right. all these new entities for people to choose in or out of. But on the other right. side, it's got, <laughs> sorry, Matthew just posted. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> um, so then on the other side, it's where the people have the most power. And on the flip mirror image side, it's where the people have the least power. Exactly. However, people can choose which hat they wear, correct? It's not like we're just locked into this corporate structure because we have a driver's license and a birth certificate. No, that's a, that's a different entity. Remember, that's just a commercial entity. So when the state legislature of Arkansas gets together and nullifies the laws of the federal government, that's the state legislature of the Republic of Arkansas. And how do you make that distinction? Like, how, how do you know? That it's, it's how you act. <laughs> that's it. Like, it's, it's really how you act. Like, the legislature, knowing it, ha like, the sheriff. When the sheriff of Riverside County came out and said, yep, I'm not enforcing uh, dipshit Newsom's edicts, what's he doing? He's invoking the republic. He is a sheriff in the republic at that point. But because that... they, they couldn't get rid of the republic. It's there, but everyone operates under the corporation when they act as if the corporation is in charge. So if that state legislature is consented to be a part of that corporation under a state of state, then how do they have the authority to govern the republic? And I guess that's where earlier I was asking about the American states assemblies, which is separate from the Constitutional Convention. That's the Anna von Rietz movement where they're basically saying the, the republic has has been sitting in vacant positions because nobody's been filling those positions of self-governing in the Republic. And so they're trying to restore that through reestablishing those positions of government. Right. I would say that it's not that they're re that they're vacant. It's that they're not active. Okay. In that when you stand in the, like when the sheriff comes out and says, no federal agents can make any arrests in my county, which actually happened in your state, I believe. Wasn't it in Wyoming where a county sheriff said, yep, all you feds get out. You better not arrest any of my people. Right. What was he doing? He was standing as a sheriff in the republic and realizing I'm top dog here. So then, so, Brennan, if we if we take that position and not take that position, if if we understand it this way, when the sheriff is top dog, what is the experience of that versus acting in the in the corporation? So when it's not about 
when, when a, let's, let's yeah. go back to Charles example of the grocery store, right? So if the governor puts out an edict that everyone must wear masks when inside, okay? And the grocery store enforces that, okay? Mm-hmm. That, oh, the owner of that grocery store is acting within the corporation, right? okay? Now, if that grocery store owner, same owner, says, nope, I'm not enforcing that here, and he goes, now, he wouldn't have any protection at that point, because if the rest of his county is all also acting under the corporation, they're going to shut him down, right? Because they're operating under the corporation. But if you go to your county officials, your commissioners, your sheriff, and you say, no, we will not stand for this. And they go, okay, we're not going to stand for this. <laughs> and, they, and they actually put out either in the form of law or notices or whatever else that like, look, Governor Dipshit's edicts do not apply in this county. Well, now they're operating in the Republic. Okay. And now I, I, your county operates. Now, here's the thing. The grocery store owner can still choose to enforce masks in his store. It's a private business. And that's the nature of private business. But now he can't he will not be shut down because the the sheriff is there to protect his right to choose whether or not he enforces masks. It's not coming down from the governor. So what if the the grocery owner is operating a grocery store under a corporate charter so he's consented to that corporate law though so how can he then withdraw that to be in the republic no that's why i said he had to go to the county because it the the, here's the thing the corporation okay we're, we're talking about the grocery store corporation right it was it was chartered under the state of california okay so the state has authority over that corporation. But if my county invokes the Republic, what's the relationship between that corporation and the county? Anyone? <laughs> that, that corporation is still incorporated under the state of state and not under the county. It's not right. recognized, right? So, so what's his, So what's that corporation's relationship to the county? Well, it's subservient then. Well, it's a foreigner, right? It's a foreign entity to the county, yeah. is it not? Yeah. Okay. Well, when you go to a foreign country, do you have to abide by the foreign country's laws? Yep. Yeah. So your corporation is in foreign territory now because it's in the Republic. And so you must abide by the the laws of the Republic here. We'll let you operate, but you got to operate under the rules of the Republic. Oh, fascinating. That clears up a lot of things. I really appreciate that perspective. Thanks, Brandon. Uh-huh. So, 
let's go back then to these conversations of invitation. Brandon, and let's yeah. go back to the day-to-day, -day, the mask, the, the neighbor, the, the individuals that come out with some passionate position on something. For example, right. I have a neighbor, did you get your shot? <laughs> now he's 80, he's forgotten that, you know, one, it's not my time, and two, I'm not, I'm not even going that route. I have not had that conversation with him yet because he then quickly took a position like, don't be afraid to get the shot, you need to get the shot. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I just thanked him <laughs> and we went on. But in these conversations, I am waiting for this invitation. And so what I generally do is wait for a pause or a question. And I, I kind of, I need to be better versed in the talk track, if you will, that the, the bite of, you know, how quickly I can plant that seed in a way that's interesting enough to have a further conversation. So you taught me, or you taught many, the, the power of the question, right? Right. And so what kind of questions, can you just remind me again what kind of questions I can lead with to be even a better invitation? Uh, offer into, okay, so these conversations, somebody says, fucking Biden is president, right? Fuck, you know, or you don't want to mask or whatever it is. What would you say? What are these common people invitations? Yeah, might... well, I mean, if somebody who's ideologically possessed, I don't know if you're going to necessarily be able to ask them a question that's going to make them actually question their reality. You know, like, you, I mean, you, that's a big one, right? Biden is president. <laughs> that is, that divides this country right now because there is a huge swath of the population that goes, nope, <laughs> he is not the president. And there's yep. a, another large percentage of this country who's like, yep, absolutely. No cheating here. It was all legit. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and so that's the reality, you know, so can, can you, can you necessarily ask a question that's going to make someone question their reality? Not necessarily. Um, My instinct but, would be Brent, not to worry about the big picture yet, but to go. So the conversation I was having is tell me more about Tell me more about why that bothers you. Or tell me more about why you feel so strongly about that. And, and right. not worry so much about the, the world, my worldview, or a different worldview, or all the worldviews out there. But I still need yeah. to get better. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I mean, that's an effective way to actually be able to have a conversation with someone. Um, it's not going to, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, ask a question with a, an assertion like Biden is president. Um, because that's what they've done is they've made a declaration of their reality. So, but you can through other types of questions that aren't directly, you know, rebutting the presumption of their reality, um, that can lead you into a, a meaningful conversation that most likely would have nothing to do with Biden as president, right? <laughs> because that's not a conversation they're open to at that moment, if they've made that declaration. Um, now, if they had some sort of questioning of their reality in their statement, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, like, 
is Biden the legitimate president? Ah, there's an opening. <laughs> you know? And and so it's because you can already tell, like within their question, there is doubt as to the nature of reality. Right. So you can ask questions that will take it deeper as opposed to just coming flat out and saying, nope, he's not, you know, um, you could start to ask questions that, well, well, let's, let's, let's go somewhere with that question. Right. Is he the legitimate president, you know? And, and then you can, you know, ask questions about the electoral college and the state and how uh, election uh, guidelines or laws are set by the legislature and how when a secretary of state or a governor or a judge decides to change those laws, they don't have any merit <laughs> because they are not the state legislature, right? So you can actually start to pull apart, you know, and dive deeper into that question through other questions and through, uh, and through assertions and things like that, that will kind of uncover things, you know? Another really interesting question with that could be, well, is he a president of the Republic or a corporation that chooses to allow elections to happen by fraud? Right. And, and, and but, not throwing the fraud thing out because that's a trigger word, but right. you know, is he president of the Republic or a corporation? What's your belief here? You know? Well, but you got to realize that that's not a part of many people's reality. Again, that's been part of your reality for many years. But some people, even like the hardcore Trump people, they're just now realizing that there's a corporation. Like just now, like in the last couple of weeks, they're just now figuring it out. <laughs> it's crazy to hear you guys talking about it because these are all the thoughts that are in my head, like by myself. It's so nice <laughs> to be in this call. Yeah, this is uh, right. So uh, because it, it could easily, this is the, the art of the delivery, because it could easily sound like some crazy conspiracy neighbor, right, or right. colleague, that there's a gentle and educated way to deliver this kind of information, much like anybody would deliver wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. I, w what I would say is, you know, avoid dropping truth bombs. <laughs> you know, like, don't be bombing people's reality, you know, um, because all they're going to do is run into the bunker. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. There's a reason why we, we did so many stretches through the leadership trainings. That's because people can get really comfortable in their own world. And yeah. not be willing to change and get out of that space. And so you walking by being like, hey, did you know that there's a United States and a United States of America? Someone's going to be like, you're crazy. Because I've built my entire life off of identifying as an American and all holding all of this pride and my whole life and all my family and everything is centered around how I've identified in this all of right. this stuff. And right. so you going in and challenging something that they have unconsciously assumed about their, their country for their entire life is a threat to who they are, them, who I won't say who they actually are, but who they believe they are. Right. So it's, you're like walking up being like, no, 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 your name's not really John. That's just your straw man. They're going to be like, <laughs> uh, excuse me. 
<laughs> like, uh, do you want to fight about this or do you want to just? <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because um, a question I've asked of government agents and of judges when they when the term United States has come up. I said, well, what do you mean by that? And of course, you typically get a stupid look like, well, it only means one thing. <laughs> well, really? Because in the United States code, there's 17 different definitions for United States. <laughs> so <laughs> which of those 17 are we talking about here? God, I'd love to see those 17 definitions. Yeah, it's well, almost every title has a definition section and and sometimes they have uh, uh, definitions within the title itself. But right. it's, it's, what's interesting is when you understand maxims of law, like inclusion of one is exclusion of all others. So like they'll have something like, like the, they'll define United States as United States includes Washington, D.C. So what does that mean? Most people assume that to mean it means all the states and Washington, D.C. But in that definition, it means Washington, D.C. That's it. Inclusion of one is exclusion of all others. You know, I actually ran into that reading over WhatsApp's uh, terms of service, their privacy policy today. Because they're, they're supposed to, you know, pretty much give over all your data to Facebook and their marketers on the 8th. But they push that back. That's tomorrow. Anyway, I was reading that, and, and I was even watching some videos of people talking about it. And one guy says, hey, look, right here in their definitions, it says, we only share information with, uh, with our clients to include, uh, I forget the exact term, business accounts only, or, or business accounts. And he, he paused the video. He said, see, it means to include. And you can't include something unless there's other things to include it with. So he's saying he broke it down in that way. And I was like, this guy obviously doesn't understand contracts. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. That's, and that's a maximum law. You know, if you were to write that into a contract, that's all that's included <laughs> is whatever follows the word include. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yep, hilarious. What do you think about, uh, are you going to continue using WhatsApp? Uh, well, I, I got to move a couple of my people over to um, Signal, like my daughter and stuff, because uh, there's, there's a couple people that that's the only thing I communicate with them on is the WhatsApp. So I got to get them over to Signal or something. Yep, that's the same with me. I got a couple people in Spain, but... They, WhatsApp has an entirely different terms of service for European countries. Because, yeah, because Europe is like, fuck you, you're not going to be taking everybody's data. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like, yeah, and, my friend, she didn't even, she hadn't even heard of it yet. She's like, what? They're doing that with everybody? I'm like, pretty sure. And as soon as I go look it up to send it to her, it was like, here, terms and conditions for the European Union and not for United States. Totally different. Yep. And it leaves that out. We're like, we are not going to. No, it's gonna. It's going to be volunteer, because in the U.S., they're talking about 
removing the ability to opt out of your data sharing. And in Europe, they're going to keep that in. So, so they can opt out if they want to in Europe, but once this update happens in the US, you cannot opt out. And that's why we had so many people dropping out of WhatsApp and flooding into Telegram and Signal, which, you know, kudos for them getting so much new business uh, and plus the whole push towards privacy. But in, in turn, WhatsApp and Facebook, because they're who owns WhatsApp now, they're kind of backpedaling a little bit. And they're like, well, no, 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 that's not really what we meant. It's just if you're messaging businesses, we're going to, you know, blah, 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 blah. But their terms of service hasn't changed. And people are like, but the fine print says that it doesn't, you know, that you're still going to share it, but you're telling me you're not going to on Twitter. They even made a whole public post on Twitter, but they didn't change their terms of service. But what they did do is they pushed back that update three months. So instead of tomorrow, it'll be three months from tomorrow. And I expect they're going to kind of massage the market enough so people aren't bailing from their platform and then update it anyway. Hey, we've been telling you for months now that we're going to do this. and Right. This. Yeah. Anyway, I so, hope to be completely unplugged from Facebook and WhatsApp and all that shit by, by April or whenever this is. Hey, Brandon, is the, are the recordings available to, to us to we listen? Or is it just something you archive? Uh, the, the recordings of the Telegram calls, this is only our third, I believe, recorded call. Um, but we, me and Gingy had a podcast going before that, we, that I started posting some of these calls on. Um, so you can find the, uh, all of the stuff me and Gingy have done over the last several months is, is available on all the podcast networks and YouTube and all that. Um, but the calls, these telegram calls are always in the channel and the group. Okay. So right now we're, the call is inside the group, but we also have a channel where there's stuff posted. Um, it's, you know, it's just like our upcoming call and our past recordings. That's all that appears in the channel. Okay, thank you. But I, I also pin the recordings in the group. So at the top of the group in the chat, you'll see there's like pins. And if you click on it, it'll like cycle through all the pinned posts and all the recordings are pinned in the group. Okay, great. Thank you. This is my first time even accessing it, so I haven't had a chance to navigate. Thank you. Uh -huh. Alrighty, that was a that was a that was a good discussion, good conversation. Thank you guys so much. Such a it's great to great to hear you. It was very valuable. I hope you have a wonderful week. You too. I hope you do too. And if there's nothing else, if you guys got anything else, we can address it before we call it a night. Um, Gingy, you want to do a after hours tonight? Gingy, you're muted. Yes, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm down for an after hours call.
All right. Uh, you want to start in like an hour? About, that'll be 10 o'clock my time. Uh, yeah, how about 30 minutes? Is that better? 30 min I can do 30 minutes. Cool. We'll, we'll say about half past, so we'll go in 25 minutes. All right. All right, guys. So we'll be back on here in about 20, min 20 30 minutes. Um, we do what, what, we, what we call our after hours call, which is we just shoot the shit about all kinds of craziness. Um, we don't record it or anything. So, um, so it, it gives us the freedom to, to talk about anything and everything and going anywhere, uh, knowing that it won't be, uh, ridiculed and examined by anyone after we've done the call. So if you guys, <laughs> if you guys want to take part in that, we'll be on here in about 30 minutes. Um, other than that, I wish you all a good night. Thank you all for being present. And uh, Kirsten, at some point, I'm going to want to hear your voice again, just so you know. Agreed. <laughs> All right, y'all. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you.